Guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. We are really excited to bring this episode to you today. Uh, as you will notice, this is Zoom audio that we are releasing, and that is because the infamous John Morgan III did not hit record on his uh, audacity as we were we were recording locally that evening. So uh, if you wanted to take up this complaint with John, I would say to go and light him up in his DMs. But of course, as you know as well, he does not have social media. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Larson to include John's personal address in the show notes. And you, if you are bothered enough by it, which I highly encourage you to do, uh, to mail John a angry letter. And this will hopefully positively or negatively reinforce, rather, that behavior. So uh, great way to start the show off. Uh, It isn't that bad. I'm just joking around. There is a lot of value here. And you do have to remember as we go throughout the episode, the bird is in your hands. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. Um, it's great to have you here today. Ammer is dressed up in a rug, uh, it's not a rug. sitting in his <laughs> bedroom. Uh, Ammer put on this hoodie that he got in Mexico last year, and and John, John made the comment of asking him if he needs to get it carpet cleaned when he uh, <laughs> instead of washing it. Which it does accurate. look like, like never carpet, heard John yeah. crack and yeah. Anyway, uh, so Ammer's out in Toronto, and of course John's out in Kelowna. I'm out here in uh, in Elmer, Quebec, and next week. We will all be in North Vancouver, British Columbia. So really excited. One more week until we can actually finally do an episode in person. Yeah. By the time you're it's listening to this. 68th episode. Exactly. Yeah. By the time you're listening oh, it's to this. It's too bad. It was an episode gonna... 69. That would have been great. Oh. We should just, we should just. We can, we can release a guest interview. We can release a guest interview. And then that way. The one in person 69. That would be. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a must. We cannot miss that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be yeah. It's kind of hard to pass it off. I mean, when it naturally presents itself like that, yeah. Yeah, bring your buckwheat pillows. It's gonna be an intense one. Um, bring <laughs> 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 That's good. But um, yeah, this hoodie actually. So how are you guys doing this week? How's how's sober October going? Uh, it's going pretty pretty good. There's a little delay when you speak, so if you, for the people listening, there might be a small delay when and the, oh some overlap when we're talking with Austin, his trusty Elmer Wi-Fi, not so trusty anymore. Oh, good lord! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, week week is going pretty good. I've I found a I found a, a new sort of 
appreciation for something that I didn't that I didn't know was in me. I am totally obsessed with short stories I've discovered. Short, really concise, interesting stories that have a, a message that needs to be delivered. I am now just obsessed with. And so uh, the reason being quite simply is that one, they're very fun to read, but two, I found that you can drop them in conversations really effectively and it acts as the ultimate catalyst for an amazing one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I was going up, uh, I was going up for a drive uh, with uh, one of my friends uh, this weekend and I dropped this story right in the beginning of our car ride and 55 minutes went by just like that from debate that sparked up discussing the story how the story, the story went so it's this story of a man uh, it's in the black swan and it's a short story of talking about giovanni drogo and it's a uh, it's a short italian story from a book called il deserto and it basically goes that there is this this man by the name of giovanni a young man a very ambitious man who has to serve his military time. And he, he signs up for a two-year post at this desert fortress. And this fortress is located at the border of his country. And it's a specific part of the border. It's, it's a desert, but it's also highly susceptible to the enemy forces to cross over, right? So he's basically responsible to be in this forest, make sure that this part of the country does not get invaded from. And so time goes by, days turn to weeks, weeks turn into, you know, three months. And he's sitting there and he's like, I got to get out of here. I mean, there's a town nearby where I should be. And, you know, he's like this young athletic man, going to be very desirable, um, will definitely do well with the ladies. And he's in his prime, right? And he's like, I got to get out of here. So he finds a loophole where he can leave after four months of, of his current time. So he's sitting down in the medical office and he looks out the window into the rolling desert dunes. And this little voice in his head just tells him, no, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay. I'm going to see this through. Um, and this sort of hope comes out in, in, in him of that he will be the man who stuck it out and the hero for the country after an invasion that mind you is very low chance of an invasion happening especially over this desert because no man really crosses this desert almost ever uh but as you know from the art of war that we've done on the podcast so far that's usually the, the, the least likely scenarios is probably the ones you have to look out for so this is what's going through giovanni's head so he's at the fortress and two years go by and he's and him and his team are as the days go by, they're more and more committed to really be on the lookout. And so they're always looking over the, the rolling desert dunes. And whenever they see like a potential movement, they rally the troops, they're getting ready to attack. But it turns out it's just a stray animal. And eventually he keeps signing back and delaying his return to the town to the point where for the rest of his life, he basically passes away inside the fortress, living his whole life in anticipation of troops that never came.
And so that story I really love because it, it just plays on uh, something that we have in our humanity that is very susceptible. And that is the power of hope, the power of hope and how far it can, it can take you. It can have really help you survive some really intense situations. We know of all these extreme stories of people in places where they shouldn't have survived, but with hope, we're able to make it out. I don't know if you know the, the story of the man who escaped in World War II from one of the concentration camps. He had a revolver with three bullets in them. And every time he took 10,000 steps, he would shoot a bullet in the sky. And so he would only be driven to empty the magazine of the gun. And so he was able to walk like something like 15, uh, like 15 days or something extreme with just like a bottle of water, uh, just an anticipation of shooting the next bullet and setting those short-term goals. And just that a hope that maybe by the time the bullet runs out of ammo, he's gonna run into a person. But the cool thing about this specific story is that hope ended up being uh, a killer and it ended up killing him. And I started reflecting on myself and, and similar people who have gone into entrepreneurship. And I started wondering, you know, while I'm running this business, you know, hypothetically, if one year turns to two where there's no results, and then two years turn into three, and I'm so invested in this and there's little results coming out, will I be susceptible to what my friend Giovanni Drogo was also mm -hmm. susceptible to? And just may, maybe spend um, my 20s, the next eight years at a business that may have been a bad idea. And how do I know when it is a bad idea? And when do I pull out? And mm -hmm. what is the minimum commitment that I should apply? And so that really had me reflecting. And, you know, you don't even have to be running a business for this to really affect you. M my friend that I had this conversation with, uh, she was in a position where she was susceptible of hope from a personal relationship stance where she was exposed to, um, you, you ever maybe, I don't know when you guys, if you guys remember when you were single, but you would send a, a message to somebody that you cared for, but they didn't respond. And then you're kind of like looking at your phone screen. And the you're classic waiting. left on red. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're like waiting course. for a response and like, oh, maybe they're busy, but then you check your phone and maybe they'll get to me back in a second. Or John, if you've ever written an estimate, a big estimate, like a twenty thirty thousand dollars job, you send the email. And then, you know, you just click refresh to see what's going on and nothing comes up. And so this hope mechanism, what I found fascinating about the story, can be undoing. And so I actually want your perspectives on this story and what you got from it. But uh, in short, to my intro, I'm doing amazing and I fell in love with short stories and I'm going to be really digging for some really high quality ones to bring, wow. to bring in I, for you. But I love, uh, it. I love your opinion on it. John, why don't you start? Yeah, I just I have not read a lot of, um, you know, I haven't read a lot about a, a lot of great men who were defensive. What do you mean by that? I mean that like this Giovanni Droto, right? Drogo. In, yeah, Drogo. If his plan was to sit in his castle waiting for, for fame and glory to come to him. Mm. Mm, I see. Right. Seems like the it seems like all the great men of the past that I've read about have sought what they achieve. But every time John to them. if Giovanni was on this podcast, he would say, 
uh, I'm not going to do an Italian accent, but he'd be like, but John, I've, I am actively taking action because I'm actively re-signing every year, actively training my rifle shot and training my troops at this fortress. I'm actively preparing to defend this country, country and actively well, being a great citizen. Amr, maybe the guy lived a very fulfilling life. I mean, we don't know. Like, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he developed, uh, I don't know, like, you know, maybe they were really well prepared. Maybe he actually did find job satisfaction in that, but certainly he didn't move up in post by the sounds of it. He was, no. yeah. So uh, it's kind of just like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a, kind of a bad story. <laughs> like, it's not one of those ones that you'd want to tell people as like an inspiration per se. I mean, it's maybe not. it's cautionary. It's a cautionary tale. Yeah. But that's why I really like it. It's not, it's not your classic, you know, rise through the ashes hero underdog. It's, it's, uh, it's the opposite, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it kind of reminds me of like, you don't rise to the level of your hopes, but rather you fall to the level of your preparation. It's sure the word not, preparation is, is the one that's there? Or? Yeah, I don't know if it's preparation. Is it yeah. uh, you rise to the level of your training? Yeah, it's training. Yeah, you you fall to the level of your training, but mm. preparation training. Um, but either way, um, yeah, it sounds like the guy would, but I, I mean, he was hoping f uh, to be attacked, which is sort of interesting. I don't know. I He's mean, hoping I, to I be attacked. He, there's like two levels of hope. It's like stage one, he's hoping to be attacked. And then he's hoping in stage two to defeat the attackers. It's interesting. So like in Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, uh, Viktor Frankl talks about how the people who typically uh, didn't, the ones who didn't make it are the ones that relied on hope. So like, for example, like, uh, and I guess for those that aren't familiar, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning uh, is a book about his time in a uh, concentration camp. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was actually, he's, he did both Auschwitz and Dachau, which was like, two of like the worst as well so I, if i remember correctly yeah yeah it was like he the two worst yeah yeah if i remember correctly i think it was those two but either way that's not that's not important um point being the people who were like oh by christmas we're going to be freed then when christmas came around they were disappointed those people would would give up hope they would die right the ones that were like oh my god like you know if not christmas then the spring it's gonna be the end of the year like so those people were relying on hope Versus the people who were just trying to make the most of the situation, the, uh, try and find meaning of whatever they can. Those are the ones that ultimately made it to the end. Uh, you know, aside from luck, I mean, there's just, there's so many different things that happened in the concentration camps that were just you, quite literally, you could just, if you looked too pale one day, you might've just got selected for the, for the, you know, unfortunate death. But mm -hmm. point being, uh, those people did not rely on, uh, the people who didn't rely on hope were the ones that, at least in Frankel's view, uh, were the ones that were most likely to live. I actually love that, uh, Amor, and, and between the time that you and John were talking, I actually pulled out my copy of The Black Swan and found the actual little excerpt. Do you mind mm -hmm. if I read it? Because I feel like it's just, it might, to John, it might actually make a difference because he said it was a pretty lame story, but. No, no, he didn't say it was lame. He said uh, like the, the, the feeling that it incites was bad. Right. Like yeah. Amor, what I'm meaning is that no one wrote an entire book about Giovanni Drogo. Okay. They wrote in like, you know, here's a 1500 page book on Napoleon because he was a conqueror. Right. right? But that's the thing. A 15, yeah. There is a book about just Giovanni. It's called Il Deserto. The whole thing is about Giovanni's failure. Mm -hmm. Because it's a different story here. Do you mind? If, I think it'll help our listeners. If I just read it, it'll take about 30 seconds. Okay. Do it. Yeah. The title is called inebriated by hope, which I think is a pretty accurate one. 
Giovanni Drogo is a man of, of promise. He had just graduated from the military academy with the rank of junior officer and active life is just starting. But things do not turn out as planned. His initial four-year assignment is a remote outpost, the Bastiani Fortress, protecting the nation from the Tartars likely to invade from the border desert. Not too desirable a position. The fortress is located a few days by horseback from the town. There is nothing but bareness around it. None of the social buzz that a man his age could look forward to. Drogo thinks that his assignment in the outpost is temporary, a way for him to pay his dues before a more appealing position presents himself. Later, back in town, in his impeccably ironed uniform and with his athletic figure, few ladies will be able to resist him. <laughs> what is Drogo to do in this hole? He discovers a loophole, a way to be transferred after a way to be transferred out after only four months. He decides to use the loophole. At the very last minute, however, Drogo takes a glance at the desert from the window of the medical office and decides to extend his stay. Something in the walls of the fort and the silent landscape ensnares him. The appeal of the fort and waiting for the attackers, the big battle with the ferocious Tartars, gradually become, gradually become his only reason to exist. The entire atmosphere of the fort is one of anticipation. The other men spend their time looking at the horizon and awaiting the big event of the enemy attack. There are so, they, are so for, they are so focused that on rare occasions, they can detect the most insignificant stray animal that appears at the edge of the desert and mistake it for an enemy attack. Sure enough, Drogo spends the rest of his life extending his stay, delaying the beginning of his life in the city. 35 years of pure hope spent in the grip of the idea that one day, from the remote hills that no human has ever crossed, the attackers will eventually emerge and help him rise to the occasion. At the end of the novel, we see Drogo dying in a roadside inn as his event for which he has waited his all his life takes place. He had missed it. So I think, <laughs> hey, correct me if I'm wrong here, John. There's something at play here that we've spoke about ad nauseum on the podcast. Swear to God, man. <laughs> I, I mean, dude, you keep bringing up examples that are so in line with delayed discounting, it's not even funny. And you expect that I'm not going to say it. Like, what do you think this whole story is about? <laughs> Can you explain how that's delayed discounting? It's actually, it's actually, uh, it's essentially his misinterpretation of what the delayed gratification really is right so to him the delayed gratification is going to war that's why he's waiting no he's not going to war he's waiting for war sorry yeah his delay his his outcome that he's waiting for that he's convincing himself that he's so disciplined to do is to wait for this war that will eventually come at him and he will just be really prepared right but he's discounting all of the other things that he could be doing Oh yes, um, yes, yes. And so he's he's just really anchoring in the future and totally not paying attention to any of the losses that he's incurring. I guess so this guy delayed the future too much. Yeah, so he's actually like an extreme de delayed gratifier. He 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 essentially oh. doesn't discount the future, but it's just the fact that he was misaligned with what it really meant. Right? Hammer, like, do you think you delay or do you think you discounted uh, staying with student works? 
I don't know. I, I it's I think it's too early to answer that question. I don't know. Because in about a couple of weeks here, I'm gonna get a check for about 140 grand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I you will. And I can't I can't help but think that yours would have been the same or larger. Yeah, but it's but this is in the in the context of 2020. But what happens in 2024? Mm-hmm. I thought, thought about this. Um, I thought about this, not necessarily in your situation or Amher, because I have no idea what you're, but like, you, like, you know, you hear the stories of like the tech startup guys who like, you know, like will mm-hmm. work like, you know, like from like 20 to like, like 33, you know, like, or something like that. Like they'll work like a, you know, like a decade. I would say 10, yeah, I'd say they work a decade of their life from 20 to 30, right? A decade of their life um, in business, not receiving much of a salary from their tech startup, but then finally they sell it for like, you know, $4 million, right? Or, or some crazy number mm-hmm. like that. If you, or what's, what's even go like, I don't know, what would, Amber, what, like, what do you think like a healthy number would be? Like, like you'd like, okay, that's like, like, you know, not like the billion dollar ones, but like, what, what do you think like a, like a, like a true success story would be? Um, well, I've written um, in 2017, I wrote a check to myself for 2023 for $7 million. So, okay, $7 million. So, let's say like someone like worked like 10 years of their life to get, you know, like in, in, in what would be a tech startup, which in my opinion would be like sort of like a glamorous thing, right? I mean, now if you're really passionate about tech, then fine. But like, just it's, 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 it's very glamorous. It's very like, it's, it's incredibly risky, right? Mm-hmm. Like for, for every person who sells their company for 7 million, there's just as many that go broke and end up working at Starbucks probably, right? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, thousands more. So let's say, that, let's say that you finally beat all the odds and you end up selling your business for like $7 million. After the fact that you probably had to take on investors, would say would say conservatively you only had to fund, would say you still ended up with majority share of sixty or would say fifty percent. Okay, so you get three and a half million dollars, right? And then of that three and a half million dollars, of course, you're going to have to pay a shit ton of taxes because, of course, it's getting all sold in one. You know, it's 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 a huge windfall of money. So, you know, assuming you're in Canada and you're you're over the limit of five hundred thousand dollars of corporate income then you're getting taxed at fifty percent but then of course it's i think that would maybe be a capital gains as well so then it's only one half either way you would say you, you might be lucky to walk away with like two million dollars in the bank right mm-hmm. okay or during that exact same time you could just literally run like any like low risk service-based business and just pump, like you know put away money and you could end up with not only the exact same result, but in, but still have a business that's an asset that's paying off, that's spitting off cash flow, which you could also probably sell for a healthy amount, or you could even sell it for more. But even better yet, there's also the advantage that with a slow build like that, where you you know you, you you're slowly making money each year and you're kind of slowly kind of building your income, you're going to learn how to you know uh, spend that money. You're going to learn how to manage it. Versus, you know, you've been, you've been broke, you know, for 10 years and then finally you sell your business and you get $2 million. Next thing you know, you're buying a Ferrari. Cause you, you know, you have to live that, 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 to that image of like, oh, I sold my tech business. So now I have a Ferrari, right. Versus the service-based guy doesn't need that. Right. He's just, you know, he, he runs a roofing company. He doesn't care about that. He's like, I run, I don't, you know, but meanwhile, the roofing guy got way richer. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of put a lot of thought into that of like, you know, there's things that are glamorized. I mean, even like, if you look at the music industry, it's really fascinating to like look at like how broke most of these musicians actually are. Like they end up getting their cars repoed, their their mansions taken away because they were leasing them, 
And then you find out that they didn't even actually make really that much money. Like they, they had like these big contracts, but they never actually ended up fulfilling the full thing, right? Like let's say like some guy signs a, a you know, a, a million dollar contract, 20% goes to the manager, that's 800, but they're taking it off the top. Um, you know, let's say they get an advance. Uh, they, they, they pay 5% to the manager or yeah, 20% to the manager, 5% to like, let's say legal fees and things like that, 5% to like marketing. Next thing you know, they have like $700,000 left over, half goes to taxes, they get 350, right? And then they have a Rolls Royce and all these things. You realize a million dollar contract is only really a $350,000 contract. Mm-hmm. And how, how many artists are really getting that? Yet all of these guys are buying jewelry with their name on it, which we all know as soon as you buy a gold watch or something like that, or a gold necklace that says your name, it's worth nothing unless you melt it down because who wants to buy a watch that says John Morgan, the third on it, right? Personalized jewelry is like the worst fucking asset of all time. It's like the worst investment. Right. So it's just interesting when you see these things that are like glamorized and like, like spit out on, you know, on Instagram or social media as like these like amazing pursuits. And you realize, Oh, they're actually incredibly risky things that actually have a pretty low payoff. Mm. Yeah, and the one dr- the one thing that I that I see that I just want to poke in your in your in your hypothesis there is that assuming in that two million dollars after seven million example in ten years you make because that's equivalent to two hundred thousand dollars a year running a service business. I think no, it would be more than that. You'd have to make more because uh, you'd have to, like, well, no, because like if you were if you and it actually wouldn't be two hundred grand a year because you could be investing, let's say maybe a hundred, but you're investing it throughout the time. So you're getting interest. So over those 10 years, you maybe only would it would have had to contributed like a million dollars, but then with appreciation, it would have grown up. Like if you were oh. investing in- Okay, so we'll say a like hundred thousand. It just comes down because there's so many ways to make a hundred thousand, right? So that's just the one thing I want to, I kind of want to poke. Because when these, with these guys with these businesses, you're assuming that they make no money for 10 years. And then they sell it. I guess that's a pretty unique situation, but um, I know what you mean because I, I don't I think, think so. I don't. I don't think that's actually unique at all. I don't. I think that matter of fact. I think it's even worse. Not only are these guys actually not receiving a salary, they're actually a lot of these um, tech startup guys are actually living off living off lines of credit borrowed against their mm-hmm. business. So they're actually borrowing against their future payday. Yeah, no, that's true. There's entire banks that have started up who literally just gives lines of credits to tech startup guys. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Yeah, and so I think- in a lot of cases, it could actually be worse than what I just stated. Yeah. It just, but it just seems like a, a very incredibly risky thing, which, but I wonder how many people go into those things because it's super glamorous. There's all this fame, there's all these glory associated with these pursuits, not really fully understanding how, how risky of an endeavor they're entering with, what could actually potentially be like a really low payoff. Yeah. I think those guys that jump in for the glamour won't last the 10 years you're talking about. I mean, how many people, you know, can go 10 years with no salary and be okay with it? Oh, very little. Yeah. So I think those guys you're talking about that that chase the glamour, they get eliminated those first two years. And I think they feed the statistic that most businesses fail in three years because most people start a business for the wrong reason in the first three years, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it just comes down to what side of the, of this sort of 
because a black swan event, this rare event that your business can really succeed or not, um, you can either bet uh, with it or against it. So if you're an entrepreneur that that's bidding, uh, that's betting with a black swan event that your tech business is going to be a hundred million or a billion dollar company, you're kind of delaying, delaying, delaying for ten years, and you can bet with it, or you can take the route of betting against it that it's highly unlikely. So I'm just going to run a service-based business and make that guaranteed income, right? So it's like one or the other. I mean, I don't know if I have what it takes to run a tech startup business. I think that is probably as difficult as it gets. And that's why there's so much glamour because usually you'd hear the stories about, you know, the one guy who did achieve it, but you don't hear the the story of the 10,000. Survivorship bias, yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a, a Greek sort of analogy of uh, um, like there's a guy who didn't believe in in Greek gods, and then one of the one of the elders was like, "My son, look at this photo. This is a photo of of a man on a ship that survived because they prayed to the gods." And then he just looks at the wise old wise old man and he says, uh, "Yeah, but show me a picture." where the ones that prayed for the gods didn't survive. And the wise old man wasn't very wise anymore because he was like, oh, well, I don't have a picture to show you because they're dead. And so it's like hidden evidence that people don't see that I see uh, you know, makes your point um, salient there. So. so John, there's something I want to pick with you here because uh, while both of, well, I mean, all of us to a certain extent are, are earning you know, a good income uh, for what we were doing. And at the same time, we're actually gaining more experience and insight. I would say that the latter is a lot more important, especially at our age. I mean, obviously the dollars that are coming in are, are, are really important to manage correctly, to have that freedom in a short period of time. However, the experience we're getting, which I know that you've spoken about is so important. And I think you root a lot of that back to, you know, the discussions and the findings that we talk about um, when it comes back to philosophy and practicing, you know, quite, quite stoic behaviors, I guess you, you would say, right? So we had a listener write us in, uh, shout out to Jeremy, thank you for submitting this. He just messaged the account on, uh, on Instagram and said, John said something at the 73rd, 74th minute mark of the 66th episode that I think he should hear played back to him. Oh, what? So okay. with no Ooh, further ado, and, and, and I vetted this, so I... Uh, Are you sharing audio? Yeah, I'm sharing audio. Okay, let's see this. Uh, let me just confirm. Yeah, I'm sharing audio. I think I even listened. I think I even okay. recently re-listened to this. Podcast, so this is so last episode. So this isn't too long ago. Um, he said, so just, I understand the context. This viewer said, we have to, Jeremy said, John has to re-listen to this. John just said, yeah, I'll actually just read the message uh, that Jeremy sent. Cause I think it's, it's, he just kind of dropped a little, dropped a little hint. He said, uh, also, episode 66 at 7430, John says something that I think he should hear played back to him, dot, dot, dot. Okay, okay, just play it, just play it. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if you would learn more. Austin, do you agree with this? 
I think that you may potentially make more money in the long run. I don't know if you necessarily necessarily would acquire more knowledge, which if you're going to make more money, then does it really matter? But yeah. I actually don't really understand what I was saying there. So we were talking about hedging my bets with university versus yeah. running a business, but the context is kind of irrelevant. Anyway, I, I mean, this yeah, I, I missed the context of it. So like, what, what, what was it? The, well, the comment is essentially that uh, here, I'll play it back again. Cause I think it is important just to try to understand what's going on. No, but sorry. What was the context in which I said that? Um, Cause yeah, it wasn't maybe... a self-contained statement by the sounds of it. Yeah. 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 You're right. Let's go back 30 seconds further. Like it wasn't like a quote. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, having ran a business up until that point and I had Correct. an extra 15 K and an opportunity to go do something yes. with that $15,000. Yes. For two years. Hmm. I don't succeed know if I or could, fail. Like... My theory would my my theory is that whether you succeed or fail, you would learn more than the current yes. master's program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you would learn more. Austin, do you agree with this? I think that you may potentially make more money in the long run. I don't know if you necessarily necessarily would acquire more knowledge. Which, if you're going to make more money, then does it really matter? But yeah. So the context okay, so me, of this was that you, Amber, you offered me an ultimatum. You said, because uh, I was going to pay $15,000 because we had figured out I paid $15,000 for my master's degree, right? And then you had said, would you, what if you just took that 15K and invested it into a new business? Wouldn't you learn more? Yes. That was the question. Yeah. And then John said, well, I don't know if you learn more running the business, but you might make more money. But after all, if you're making more money, who cares? That was essentially what Jeremy thought that John should listen back to. So I why? just, I Did get, you say why I should re-listen to it? Cause I, I no, I, but I, I think I, I, I kind of got what he said from a certain standpoint, which was that it seems as though, and I think this is a great opportunity, John, to clarify what you mean uh, by the importance of generating wealth at a very, like at the fastest rate possible right now, that is now, uh, based on what you just said, seemingly a priority over top of learning as much as you can. Well, okay. Because <laughs> this, 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 is, this comes back to the debate you were having with Amherst. This is why I brought it up. Yeah. Okay, so on, repeat what you just said. Okay, so what I want you to clarify based on your values because john i'm not saying you're right or wrong i just want no 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 no, no. I, I have a pretty i have a pretty funny point that i'm gonna make here but go ahead okay go ahead. okay <laughs> okay so again i'm not arguing for any point no no, just, I, no don't no just say okay. what you just said okay so i'd like you to clarify why how it how it aligns with your values and who our listeners know you to be that you are prioritizing immediate wealth generation over immediate skill and knowledge generation. Austin, how many people do you know that have read over 300 books? Hmm, probably about four. Yeah, okay, who are they? Uh, two professors that I'm on great terms with, my mom okay. and, yeah. uh, and one of my friends from university. And okay. John Morgan. 
what percentage of yes. people? Yeah, I did. Okay, what percent? Yeah. What percentage of people in Canada? Okay, make over two hundred thousand dollars every year. I think it's. 1%. I'll give you a hint. It, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. This oh, is no, no, no. this is correlation okay. versus causation. No, 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 no. So, you gotta, okay. you no, 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 no. I, I'll absolutely clarify. <clears throat> okay. I, I definitely think that the more, like, I mean, this is such a cliche saying. Uh, and I hate I hate how Ty Lopez said this because then it kind of like ruined the quote. No, no, he's a smart but the, guy. The more you learn, the, the more, more you earn. earn. Let's okay. Go. So people like, <laughs> should you prioritize learning over making money? Should you prioritize making money over learning? Look at you, you got to learn how to make money. So you like there's going to be an opportunity cost to that but certainly if you spend all your time learning okay you would be like giovanni drago because you would be waiting for some opportunity to come your way and you never took it you were waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and you never fucking did anything with it okay giovanni no (laughs) so your learning is only as good as the action you take with that learning. It's it's only like, like you don't read philosophy. So essentially you're saying that the action you take is as good as the dollar earned. It's only the, the knowledge you have is only as good as the action you take, right? That's what you said. So I just want to know how earnings come into well, that, I guess. The, the, the point, the point of, the point of like, the point of learning ultimately I mean, well, I mean, ultimately for me, the whole goal is to is to find peace. It's to be a peaceful person. Okay, like I want to be happy, right? I mean, that's like your just, grandparents. I remember. Yeah, like I like I want to. Yeah, like I like I I've seen good in the world, and I want to emulate it. Like I want mm-hmm. what like I've I've met people who genuinely seem happy, and I want to be like them. Mm-hmm. Like I want to have peace. Like I want to mm-hmm. bring these things. I want to pursue things that I think are worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And certainly learning okay so acquiring skills and acquiring knowledge Mm -hmm. that is going to help me make money that's important right Mm -hmm. um you know health wealth love happiness Mm -hmm. right i gotta take care of my personal body afterwards Mm -hmm. i gotta i gotta get wealthy Mm -hmm. right it's 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 now could you be happy without money absolutely but you'd be a fool to not like think it's more favorable to have money than not Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So this is this is what the Stoics called preferred indifference. So like I'm indifferent. Like I'm not happy because I have money, but it's certainly more favorable than when I wasn't. Like I remember. Okay. I remember very distinctly being cold as fuck, reading this book. Okay, in my stepfather's basement, in like three sleeping bags and a sweater. <laughs> okay. I just I remember it. It wasn't like. It was less favorable than when I'm sitting in my office with a tea, reading the same book in like 100% merino wool t-shirts. It's in just an apartment this is, that you own and you're yeah. Name. This is just yeah, like this is just more favorable. But like, was I happy when I was in that basement? Not as much, right? Now, was it because I didn't have money? No, it wasn't necessarily. But that was certainly part of it. But but I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't as learnt at that time. If I said, you know, if that's even mm-hmm. phrasing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
like I'm not sure what the initial point was of like, should you prioritize learning? Should you prioritize making money? I mean, ultimately you want to take advantage of the opportunities in front of you. Like a book is an opportunity the same way a business is. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and fortunately, see, I've been so blessed and, and I, I truly do. I just am so grateful because it just happens to be that the thing that was designed to sort of apprentice me into business also happen to have paid me really well. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's some people who run the same business as me and they may not achieve the same level of success, but they certainly still could have learned a lot. Yeah. But it's more like, put it this way. There's people who um, have done, uh, ran the same business as me for six years and they certainly, maybe they learned a lot. Okay. And they maybe didn't achieve the same level of success. I'm grateful that I achieved the level of success I have achieved with StudentWorks. And I bet I learned more because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I can see that. I think that's it. But, but also another thing to put in perspective too is it's like, I don't really make that much money in the grand scheme of things. So yeah. like if I was really prioritizing money, I think that I would, I don't know. I think that if I really wanted to get dirty with it, like I think I probably would get rid of stoicism. I'd probably go to the dark side, right? Hey listeners, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Weekly Call. We just have a quick yet very important message for all of you. The three of us are currently actively in pursuit to find young, ambitious, and like-minded people that are interested in business management and business ownership roles. Roles that three to five years ago put Austin, Ammer, and John in a place where they could learn, grow, and optimize their discipline and habits. These positions are available all across Canada. So it doesn't matter if you're in Victoria, British Columbia or St. John's, Newfoundland. There is an opportunity where you are located. If you are interested in working directly with Amher, Austin and John and learning what it takes to run an efficient and scalable business, please drop us a line at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com, all one word for more information. Now back to this episode of The Weekly Call. But I'm not even, see, that's the thing though. I'm not even convinced that's the case though. See, this is, one of those things where like, I always thought about that, like, you know, like ripping off clients. Like I remember there was these, there was, um, uh, there was these people that I knew that did business. Okay. And they did an unethical way. And there, there was things that they were doing that were causing them to make more money in the short run than me. But ultimately these people, like they just, like, as of right now, it's night and day, the difference between where I'm at and where they're at. Mm-hmm. Now, is that because I, I chose to be more ethical than those people? I don't know, but it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it pays off in the long run. There, I've uh, there's actually a theory about this. If you have a truly open market that has no regulation, you would think that the good guys would end up winning, but it's actually not the case. It's the total opposite, and it blew me away when I learned about this. If you have a mm. truly open market with no regulation, the most unethical companies will completely dominate the market. And a counter argument to this, well, Amr, what do you mean if uh, if everybody knows that a corporation, you know, enslaves children and, you know, murders animals and dumps uranium into water supplies, I'm not going to buy from them. You would say that, but the fact of the matter is that is already happening in a regulated market where you have child labor, where you have people dumping stuff in rivers. 
and they still make tons of money. And the fact of the matter is if there's no regulation and everything was unethical, there'd be like monopolies over everything. So you might be like, oh, for example, let's say Jeff Bezos turns into a super villain and just does everything unethical. You're not going to be like, oh, I'm going to stop buying stuff from Amazon. I'm going to just, you know, order stuff online from other websites and wait three days instead of, you know, three hours. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you will still purchase from Amazon. And so John is right, but you have to remember where you don't pay with money, you pay with something else. And I think if you run a highly unethical business, you will create many enemies and you will pay with peace of mind. And to me personally, I'd rather slash my income than have like 15 people out to like slash my tires, mm -hmm. you know, maybe kidnap my wife or <laughs> punch my, my kid in the face, right? Because that, that exists. <laughs> These, yeah, they, they are these yeah. people with a lot of enemies, but have a lot of money who have to spend peace of mind and sometimes even more money to hire bodyguards, extra security, so they don't get shot, stabbed, or kidnapped. I mean, um, one, one friend told me how uh, he knows this, this girl whose dad is a billionaire, and she's not allowed to ever tell people that her dad is a billionaire and she has hidden security guards that follow her around. Um, whenever she goes to like their private island, she just says, oh, I'm going to my cottage. She doesn't say I'm going to my private island. Um, so it's just something to think about there where, yes, John, you would probably make boatloads of cash, but you have a lot of enemies and uh, you'd be fighting against uh, a lot. And I met, a, I met an individual personally, shook hands with him, um, who embodied that sort of evil, the dark side. Um, I remember canvassing his house and he asked me for an estimate to do his, his deck on the first floor, his deck on the second floor, and like a kilometer of fence. And he wanted to like beautifully stained. And I'm like, um, I don't know if I should say his name. I'll say his first name. I was like, Frank. This is going to be a lot of money, all right? This is this is going to cost you like $12,000 to do. There's a lot of work to be done. And uh, take in his fence was not over grass. It was over like really Concrete. expensive finished flooring, like stone. Oh, uh, yeah. So a drip of stain would have costed me as a as an owner yeah. to replace one tile, like two grand. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, Frank, not only have to have drop sheet everything, I need to get like this special protective like cardboard and lay it yeah. all across your property. Yeah. And there needs to be no rain and no wind. Like this is going to be an undertaking. And for mm -hmm. me to take this on, I can't do it for less than 13,000. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, Hammer, you know, I can, I can probably find somebody for 4,000 who will do it for me. And so I don't know why. He gave me his business card, went online, searched up his name. The first thing that pops up was literally his full name. It's a website and it's called, we'll say his last name is Smith. Frank Smith ripped me off. He owes me this much money.com. And then you click on it. It's his <laughs> photo. And it's this whole like seven paragraph case of how this, how this guy Frank owes $150,000 to this poor guy who can't see his money. And the last thing he did was just spend $2,000 to just publicly defame this person because he was so dirty. And it was just like, you know, and while, while I was giving the estimate, I see like his kids running back and forth, you know, he's like two Range Rovers, like fully tinted black, but I don't want that life. You know, I, I, I just, I don't want it.
And um, take your mind though that like that's not even necessarily wealthy though. It's not right, but um, well, no, no, not necessarily. Oh, you mean the definition of wealthy? Yeah. Well, I think wealth is is usually defined around finances. So the more money you have. Now, yeah, success I know, but, might but, be different. But, I won't call him successful, no, no. but I think he's wealthy. No, you think, but that's not even necessarily the case. Like, like mm. if you read the book, The Millionaire Next Door, I mean, it pretty it it outlays pretty. It's like it's. I think it was like the largest study ever done on on millionaires. Like in a lot of books, when you hear that quoted, this is that study. And uh, the book doesn't sound like the title doesn't sound like it'd be one of those books. But the guy who wrote it, like I think his name was like some, something Stanley, he was a PhD, and. Like they outline these two, these two doctors, Dr. Door, Dr. North and Dr. South. Okay. Dr. North had like, you know, the brand new Porsche. His wife had the brand new Mercedes wagon uh, or, you know, SUV, whatever. They spent like $30,000 a year on clothing. They had the big mansion. They had the pool. Their kids went to private school. They, you know, ate out every meal. They had like a private butler there. And, and then there's another doctor that now both doctors made up around $800,000 US. Okay. And by the way, these are, these are real, like, like in the book, it actually like shows you all the numbers. They're actually like real. Like they weren't, they wasn't, this wasn't just made up mm -hmm. like some example. $800,000 US per year. Correct. Okay. And then the doctor South had like, you know, a similar income. I think it might've even been slightly lower. Um, and, you know, lived a modest lifestyle, you know, still had like, you know, comfortable luxury vehicles, you know, lived in the same house for quite a while, didn't have to upgrade all the time. They didn't upgrade their cars all the time. They just had, you know, just whatever your, you know, your, your average cars, um, you know, their kids went to public school and, and they just lived a good life. Okay. The net worth of Dr. North was like $700,000 and the net worth of Dr. South was like $4 million or something crazy like that. Mm. And it's interesting because if you just saw these two people, you would think, oh my God, like anyone from the street, like knocked on Dr. North's door, be like, oh, this guy makes money. He's so rich. Oh my God. Right. Meanwhile, on the life satisfaction stuff, this guy was miserable because he had no freedom because he just was spending so much money. Like his wife at one point had like so many other credit cards he didn't know about. So then like, but they, but then he had credit cards she didn't know about. They were both spending so much money. It was just ended up being this huge nightmare. Whereas Dr. South, like, their relationship was fine. So like there was all these different like checklists that they all went down, like these questionnaires where they like talked about life satisfactory. And it was interesting because like Dr. South had like no financial worries, whereas Dr. North did, obviously. Um, and then, you know, there was tons and more studies going on like that. But the whole, the whole premise of the book was basically that like all the people that you see that look like rich are most likely broke. Hmm. It's 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 the low key people that actually grab that actually obtain wealth, and this was one of the biggest. I think I might even mention this on a couple of podcast episodes ago. Like I've been, I had, you know, been reading a lot about um, like family dynasties, and Cosimo the first, which uh, he was the like the most he was the first notable Medici, and one of the pieces of advice that he had passed down, and like it's sort of like as a family like value right this is something that like everyone should follow was to um modesty okay to not to not i think the like the wording was like it was like an italian renaissance but like basically they're like not have too fancy of a horse to not have an estate in the in the uh, villa inside the city but rather to live in the country and like live modestly right because he didn't want 
uh, to attract enemies, right? Like you didn't want to attract envy, but also by living it up, um, you may forget to study, right? Like that you like, these are like, he knew these were like traps that you would fall into. Right. And, uh, yeah. Guess it's hard to, guess it's hard to study if, yeah, if every night you're, you know, filling gas up to your Lamborghini. Well, put it this way, like in a, in, like in a club. Assuming I don't completely sabotage myself, I'm going to be a pretty wealthy guy at like age 30. And I don't think that anyone's really going to know, like, like I don't wear anything with like logos on it or, mm-hmm. you know, Trisha and I, we don't, you know, do anything extravagant. We have like a, you know, it's a nice condo, but it's like, it's an older building. Like I don't, we're never going to buy a luxury house like that. I drive a freaking minivan. Mm. Right. So I don't know. Town right? and country we're, we're, though, loaded to the loaded to the nines. You know, no, it's an S- no, it's an SXT <laughs> man. Doesn't it? Doesn't it? The back window is not even roll down. Yeah. It doesn't even have. It doesn't even have um, the uh, climate control Dodge in Caravan? the bus. Yeah, is that, is that what Grand that is? Caravan. Yeah. What year is it? Let's get this car posted up here. What year is this? Twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen Dodge Caravan SXT. It's a silver one too. It's like the like the worst silver. Color. Because it was the cheapest. I had a the black a, one was like two 06. grand more. Oh, these ones are uh, yeah. I see these around. They're they're, they're not nice. bad looking minivans, but yeah, no, it's a it's a power move. No, but my point being though is that um, <laughs> no, you know, it, if the goal is to actually get wealthy, you know, like like looking rich tends to not translate well to your net worth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you're right. This is the whole like seeking to impress rather than be impressive. I love when my, I love when my competitors get lifted trucks. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like no, I'm serious though. Because like yeah. like I just signed a contract to put up two billboards next year for like twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. Whereas, you know, my competitors maybe rather than spending that 25 grand on on billboards to try and solidify the investment right. they upgraded the their engine yeah they upgraded their engine they got a they got a cummings now rather than a you know a v8 or i don't know anything what cars yeah. so. <laughs> right um you know so you know maybe they went on like an extra holiday meanwhile it's like you know i don't know so you know it's it's uh i don't know i mean i guess there's arguments though like the other way too like you know, I guess the, another way of looking at it is too is like, you know, you wouldn't want to like, because I think some people could see it as like delayed gratification. I was about to, yeah, you're reading my mind. Yeah, some people could look at it as delayed gratification, but it's also just like, what's the sustainability of your life? Yeah, what, what if Trisha went up to you and she was like, John, I listened to the episode. What if you right now are being Giovanni and you're not letting us enjoy our life. Why can't we buy the Range Rover? Full circle. Love this point. Full circle. Why are we waiting on top of the fortress for the next eight, nine years? I want a Mazda Miata. (laughs) No, no. No, but interesting (laughs) enough though, um, we're, we're actually not, see, this is the interesting thing. We're not even delaying our gratification. Like it's not like spent twenty five thousand on on a billboard. Yeah, but that's that's a great opportunity. Well, the interesting thing is, it's like it's not like 
one day I'm just going to go and like spend lavishly. That's actually not the case. Like, okay. Well, how actually... do you, so I guess like, like I already spend pretty lavishly as is like Trish and I, like, um, I remember like, uh, one of the, like early in our relationship, I remember Trish and I were having, um, she, I lived in this like really like cheap apartment downtown. It was like 450 bucks a month. Oh, uh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, I was like really cheap. It was like under rent control. I had a roommate. So he paid another 450. And it was like, but it was like really like, it, it was like, as I mean, Trisha's biggest complaint, she's like, there was no outlet in the bathroom. So she like had to like hair dry her hair in the, in the bedroom. <laughs> right. Like, like that was like that if you ask her, but either way, um, I remember like sitting, like I just like in like an office chair and like, she was like just sitting on my bed and we had like this like glass sort of like desk. And we had like this like really cheap plate of like, cheese and meats and then we had like this like you know like ten dollar bottle of wine and we were sitting there and and i just remember like thinking like i, I just love this girl right but like me loving her isn't going to change whether like we have like an ocean view or like we're sitting in like fancy chairs with like well this is the question though john it's like, like what do you want to do with them like with what presumably when you retire after in 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 you know six seven years what do you want to be able to do? Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because it seems like I, I've, um, there's like, it's like there's such a strong focus on money, but it's interesting. Like I actually find, like, I don't know about you guys. Like, I mean, making money is kind of fun, but like, it's also like, it seems like such a, like a. Uh, Overrated. Well, put it this way. Like I, if people didn't have to like actually work to make money, I don't know if people would do like clearly people's, what they would spend their day doing would be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. for a lot of people okay i just want to get to where my grandparents are where they don't make decisions based on what it's going to cost them financially or they don't do things because of how much they're going to get paid they do what they think is most pleasurable like what like what's going to like bring the most happiness to their life right Isn't like that the opposite of stoicism yeah i was just gonna say that <laughs> not at all the seeking of pleasure over purpose well, I didn't say that they were seeking pleasure over purpose. You said they're just going to, they just seek pleasure. And, and what's, well, I, I, that's not what I only said. I said they're going to seek pleasure in what, what they find meaningful. Oh, what they find. Okay. Yeah. No fair play. Yeah. I think I said, I think I threw in the word meaning there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah but hmm. they get to wake up every day and like they're, they're not, they're not uh, distracted by the pursuit of money. My grandfather's my grandfather's a psychiatrist, but he doesn't work as a psychiatrist because he gets paid a lot of money. So, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna mm. propose an alternate route um, that I've taken, which I enjoy, um, that's seemingly working. So, I've recently read uh, the Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. Amazing book. I love it. I think it was a great book. Um, and what he proposes, you've read it, right? I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, what he proposes throughout the Amber, what about you? Not yet. Okay. What he proposes throughout the book is the idea of mini retirements, right? So I've, well, to up until the point that I've read the book, I didn't realize I was doing this. And now that I've read the book, I'm going to continue to do it in a lot more of an organized fashion that uh, using a lot of the calculations and formulas that he has in the book. Um, but essentially it just eliminates the idea. The theme of his book is that essentially he tries to eliminate any opportunity cost 
of, of enjoying yourself for an extended period of time during the developmental stages of your career. So let me, let me just say that again. He tries to eradicate the negative impacts that you would incur as a, you know, any, anywhere between like 18 and 35 years old, where you'd presumably be in like the money-making stage of your life. Uh, sorry, not the money-making stages, the um, developing stages of your life, your money-making years, typically, if you're talking about the average human being or after 35. So the opportunity cost of taking like a big hiatus or, or a big expense or like going to buy that whatever Audi S4 uh, or whatever you want to do, right? So uh, then then it's going to be something that you, there's technically a lot of, lot of cost associated with that because you're in the developmental stages. Um, then he's trying to say, how can you plan for it so that it's that the opportunity cost is virtually zero. You essentially, whether it's saving or, or going to get like a side, like another source of income that essentially builds up and builds up and builds up and is solely for this one purpose that you can then go do. He said, it's essentially uh, like worthless to work until the point where you no longer have to work because people actually kind of like working it, not in the most classical sense of like going nine to five work, but actually having a purpose and doing something and you know whether it's restoring cars out in your garage or whatever you want to do right there's typically something you want to spend your time on uh and and actually have a purpose to do so he was saying that you know throughout your life taking these mini retirements is actually quite nice so what i've done is after three years of running this business and really enjoying every part of it you know really managed well financially waiting to buy a property, having a decent investment portfolio. I've always wanted this one car and the opportunity presented itself. I traded in my other car. It was listed at a very low price. I paid practically nothing for it compared to what it's worth. And I bought it. And what I love car? it. It's uh, 2015. Oh, no. It's a 2015 Volkswagen GTI. Oh, he did it. But the thing is, is that that's like not like but like i don't like i don't it's not like, a lavish car at all no but but it's but austin like uh, uh i i'm not like you, you can do that like i'm i'm like i'm gonna go no buy i know for, i'm just I, i'm not so, yeah i don't want you to misunderstand sorry, you, you, sorry, like, you the way that i the, sorry the way that yeah. i was taking this is that you were i wanted to find that. a different viewpoint for our listeners too right like there's yeah well like it's so like the way that you were the way that you were framing that it seems like there's this notion that I don't believe in rewarding yourself in quotations. Okay? Yes, there's it, definitely a notion there. And yeah. it seemed like, and it seems like what you're saying is, is that you've now rewarded yourself with this vehicle you really want. Yeah, and I did. Is, it no, but way, on, is that is that yeah. the case though? Like, is that like, that's the correct framing um, of like, is that the way that like that's like that's like I, the way I, that I'm taking. I planned strategically to reward myself with the vehicle. Yes, Austin, I think it's really incredible that at eight, how old are you? Uh, 24. I think it's really incredible that at the age of 24, you've worked your ass off. I mean, you've, you've grinded th your business for, for three years now. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. You've been one of the top operators, not only in your time, but also just in company history period, you've got an undergraduate degree. You are a, a pretty badass master's student fucking you, like, like, plus you seem to be pursuing improving yourself not only mentally but physically like and you figure out a, a like a, a an economical way of getting a car that you think 
is going to make you happy. Dude, good for you. I'm fucking like, I'm so yeah. stoked that you've been able to do that. Yeah. Now, if, if you bought a Range Rover because you thought it was going to make you happy because you wanted to flex on the boys and bump Drake, <laughs> we'd have a different conversation. I, like it seems like okay, it seems yeah, like yeah, it yeah. seems like it's, no one's willing to give okay. me like, it seems no, like no, no one's willing to give me goodwill here where there's there's clearly differences here between yeah. right like no, like no, no, for example this is like, good this is good like, I need to example, hear it dude like, I was, for example I was I'm gonna buy myself to you that I bought the car no so. no 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 dude hold on I'm also gonna buy a Volkswagen actually in a couple weeks here <laughs> and and no hold on but I so like, like but the reason hold on like so like I. <laughs> I would like to have, like I so said, like this is preferred indifference. I would prefer a faster car. I'll be honest, right? Like in a minivan, you mean? Oh, dude, low key though, the minivan hauls. Okay, so <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> low key. Okay, very, very consistently. When it's not we'll weighed be- down with five gallon pails, it hauls. Dude, it's yeah. it. No minivans, man. I'm telling you, they. Uh, but either way, so um, you know, like there is disadvantage. So either way, so I'm getting a Volkswagen um, TDI wagon. Nice. Love those. I really like wagons because I like having like, you know, I really like having space. space. Yeah. But I also want to be able to like, you know, like if, if for some reason, okay, like my business crumbled and I had to go back to painting, I could just throw some ladders up on the roof. 100%. And it's long enough to put all these materials in. But also the T, so like now that I've transitioned out of the having to move equipment, it doesn't seem to make sense to have like this like monstrous like car a cargo van okay like that seems like that could now go off to my production manager so i'm going to be giving her the minivan which is an upgrade for her which is is a great incentive to like lock like sort of anchor her into her position mm-hmm. so there's value that way um also trisha just hates the minivan so that's a bonus that like we're not gonna be driving that thing anymore because she just you know uh, either way, but um, but I also um, I, uh, the gas. So like I'm mainly a sales role. So the TDI, uh, this Volkswagen I'm getting, it gets 1,200 kilometers per tank, <laughs> versus my minivan gets 600. Yeah, yeah. And it costs it costs eighty percent. Uh, well, a little bit less. It costs less to fill up the TDI than it does the minivan. Yeah, and um, it's a turbo quite a bit less. Too. Yeah, so it's quite a bit faster. So it checks off all the boxes, and on top of it. Um, those wagons depreciate quite quickly. So I could pick up like a 20, you know, 14, 2015, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. and, and I actually like, um, I, I, it just happens to be that like, so like if you, if you, you get it for like leather, 15, 16, I was gonna say 15 grand. Yeah. If you prefer leather, you have to pay more. Luckily I actually don't like leather cause I like to be able to spill shit on my seats and not mm-hmm. care. So, um, you know, so if you don't get leather point being though, is that, uh, you know, that seems like a reasonable use of my money. Like I'm going to have to buy a car and this seems like a pretty good option because it checks off some of the boxes of making me smile. Mm. Now, if I got the Mercedes wagon, it seems like I'm overpaying for what is essentially the same thing. Mm. Does you see the difference there? 15 grand, you said? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was expecting like 30 or 40. No, new, no, new well, they'd be that. So no, no more if you, ah, you want to get yeah, yeah, more new. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty it, good, man. it depends on which one you want to get. Cause there's a golf wagon and jet away. Point being though. So it's like, okay, look at, you know, one area of my life that I'll just kind of share with people. Cause it seems like people don't understand this. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of money on feeding Trish and I the best food. Mm-hmm. 
dude it's not cheap like dude just in sober october like i probably spend, I feel like i'm eating like john because i'm just eating like the no i probably healthiest. spend yeah i probably spend like 1500 a month on food. yeah dude it's not cheap yeah whoa but but the thing is is that like that's crazy that's worthwhile for me like i truly believe that like i'm like i live like trish and i eat just amazing food and like she loves cooking with it. I love cooking with it. Um, you know, we, we also eat out like, and when we go out, we, you know, we, 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 we like, you to get just, the guacamole. Yeah. Like we get extra sure. guac, right now. <laughs> the thing is though, the thing is though, is that it, it's all within reason, right? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. when I, when I was struggling financially and I was not eating very well, like I was eating fast food. And the funny thing is, is it's not even like I'm spending that much more actually now that I'm eating healthy. Um, but I think, but it all contributes to just, it all just contributes to the whole thing, healthy, wealthy, you know, and wise, right? Like I'm a pretty healthy guy, right? And, and that's super important to me. And, but for some people it's not, right? But I can't help but think that that leaks into the other areas of their life. So I just think that a lot, the, a lot of the ways that people reward themselves is not what they actually want to reward themselves with, but they're actually just buying into marketing campaigns, right? Like when, when, you, when like uh, Trish and I always laugh when we see advertisements that say, you deserve it. That's like, that's like, it's like that phrase is probably one of the most powerful marketing phrase. You deserve it. There was this uh, Burger King billboard in Kelowna. It says you deserve it. And it's like chicken fries, right? And I can't help but think that how many people are like, oh yeah, I, I do deserve those. Yeah, I I should reward myself. It's like no, no, I'm not disagreeing that you should like eat food and like, <laughs> but maybe go get like some celery sticks and peanut butter because that's also like really good for you, right? Like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. No, I mean, I I I appreciate you clarifying that, John, because I think a lot of our viewers, and and apparently myself included, think that you essentially live uh, by eating you know, arugula, olive oil and, uh, and, and almonds and, and just essentially transport yourself via, you know, foot if, if possible. And essentially well, I are do the, though. No, I know. No, I, know. I do. Okay, no, no, okay, I do no, try I'm and just, walk places. I do no, try okay, and bike. But you're, you're taking it out of context. Like I'm, <laughs> okay, okay, I'm, okay, I'm sorry, saying sorry. that like a lot of people think that you're essentially this robotic efficient, uh, thing that does as much as they possibly can with their resources to 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 retire as soon as they possibly can and and do not get me wrong i love that about you and i'm a capitalist i, I just want through you and to, through i appreciated the humanistic side of what you just said about uh how to spend your money within reason of of making sure that it makes sense aligning it with your income aligning it with your goals aligning it with how much you've planned for yourself you know, that I guess I would just want to speak on behalf of the people. No, you have to make it, great, you have to yeah. make great investments. Like yes. I, I'm a capitalist through and through. And it like, I think it's a great investment to buy myself a TDI. I'm going to yes. save money. I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to make me feel good. It's a great investment. You know what else is a great investment? I'm going to buy my manager a really badass sword. Like I'm going to get her like, <laughs> I'm serious. I think it's a good investment. Like I'm going to spend like, you know, I'm going to spend some good money on, on a like sword? getting like a, Does she yeah, like a, want a sword? Like, has this yes, been a thing that she's yes. asked for? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like she collects swords. Okay. She collects, okay. They're called bastard swords. I I don't know. Okay. Okay. Either way. 
Um, but like that's the, I think that's a good investment because it's like it, it it's a symbolic thing for her like that matters to her right like that's something that matters right um so you, you just want to make sure you like sp like spend as lavishly as you can on great investments <laughs> yeah 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 that's that's a good that's a good that's a good like eat, eating healthy is a great investment so spend lavishly on that right yeah Spend as lavishly as you can on great investments. That that actually makes sense because I think books are a great investment. Yeah, I I spend like a ridiculous amount of money on books. And matter of fact, not only that, I also think that it's a great investment to buy books for other people. Like I buy books yes. for Trisha all the time. I was realizing like, I, that. Like I give books to our listeners, right? Like yeah. But like ultimately, that's the stoic in me that like you know by improving the people around me, my life gets better. Mm -hmm. Like, like the more friends that I have that read ego is the enemy right by Ryan holiday, just the all around the better my life's going to be straight up. So like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be spending, let's say like an hour a week talking to someone. So 52 hours a year, I'm definitely going to give them ego is the enemy. Cause they're just gonna be a much more enjoyable person to be with. It's gonna cost me 20 bucks to buy this book. And it's going to give me you know, it's going to increase the, um, it's going to increase the, uh, quality. And I guess maybe the quality the of those 52 yeah. hours. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. was that a good investment? I only made $24,000 a year. No, because there was clearly mm -hmm. like, there's a hierarchy to your investments, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yo, can you actually bring ego as the enemy to Vancouver and I'll bring the parasitic mind. We can do a little dude, I already, I already, I no joke. I already bought one and it's in my glove box. Oh, bought, dude. Yeah. I, yeah. I literally have not even for you, but I bought one because I was like, you know what? I'm going to need to give this book away. So I put it in my glove box. So I had it available so I could gift it to someone. Amazing. I, I actually am really crazy. fascinated by that title and I need to read a Ryan Holiday book because I haven't read one yet. And I've only, yeah, I know there's some great things to, to have to be had there. Here's another great investment I made the other day. There was this, there was this girl. Okay. And or there was this lady. Okay, so I'm in I'm in I'm in a in a coffee shop. It's like pretty quiet. Okay, it's like Saturday morning. We're just all chilling there, and you know, there's some people typing away on their laptops. And it was actually kind of nice because for whatever reason, this morning uh, or the, that that Saturday morning, um, th there was no music playing in the coffee shop, which I think is just should be adopted like across the board. Okay, unless you just don't want people like loitering. But you like point being, so we're all sitting there studying. And uh, there's this like, like sort of like semi looking homeless person in there. And she just like is, I don't know if she was high on something or, you know, clearly has some mental stuff going on, but she was just like talking shit, like to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and we all had headphones in, you know, I'm listening to, you know, whatever, like some, some, some jazz or something like that. And the girl next to me is listening to something. And, and she's just like, walks up and she's like talking all this, you know, talking all this smack to the girl next to me. And I could kind of tell she was like getting flustered. Cause I mean, like she'd walk up and she's like, you young people are so clicky. You guys are all fucked. You guys are just bitches. Like, fuck you. Like, look at you. Just think you're so much better than me. And I'm sitting here. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm just looking at her and she's like, yeah, she's like, look at the way you're fucking looking at me. I'm like, I'm like late. Like, I'm like, are you okay? Like, everything's good. She's like, yeah, yeah. No. She's like, but she's like, you just, you just think you're so much better than everyone else. I'm like, I'm like, fuck man. Like you don't even know me. And like I, I, people who know me say that about me. Good for you, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, but but yeah, like, so she like kind of goes off and like starts talking shit to some other people. And so finally, like after like a while, like it was just kind of, it was just disrupting the entire place. I walked yeah, over and yeah. said, okay, if I give you $5, will you just leave? And she's like, 
what? I'm like, yeah, if I just give you five bucks, will you just like go to a different coffee shop or just like walk elsewhere? She's like, yeah. So I gave her five bucks. She left, sat back down, went back to reading. That was a good investment. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I probably like, why don't you know, just some leave say, the coffee shop, save the five bucks. Totally, totally. Right. But if you really think about it, like if I, if, if I'm really, if, if reading a book is as valuable as I think it is mm. in, in literally 30 seconds, I bought myself an hour of her not. Oh, so you were, you were going to be there for, for another hour usually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, That's could good. I have left, but then I would have disrupted my day. Right. As in like, I, cause I would have had to spend an extra 50, you know, I would have to drive home then get resettled into my book. Right. So sure, 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 sure. Yeah, but is that an investment that I would have made when I was making less money? No, but it it but it was like I looked at my wallet, I had five bucks. Here you go, get out of here. Great. And not only Skadoosh. that, but I was also the hero of the coffee shop. Everyone was like, "Yeah, this guy right like saved our life." Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good story, man. I like it. It's a well spent five bucks. Yeah. Here's another. Here's another one. I think it's a great investment. I go to the exact same restaurants and, and uh, like, mm. I'm a regular, I'm a regular um, at multiple say, spots. Yeah. Okay. So like, I probably spend like a good, like 300 bucks a month at this one coffee shop. Okay. Like I have breakfast there most days. Okay. I get the rise and shine with cheddar and, and veggies with sourdough toast and two packs of strawberry jam and a medium roast Colombian coffee black. Okay. First of all, one, they charge refills. I now get free free refills, okay? But not only that, the owner, Francisco, I painted his house. Why? Because I, I I go there every single day. Mm-hmm. Evan so O'Leary actually, gave a similar advice. He says, if you ever suspect that you're going to be revisiting a restaurant or a cafe, the first time that you sit there, tip big. Just put it yeah. like a put like twenty bucks down, and then guess what? Every time you come back, you'll be treated like a king. But everyone knows me in this place. Like when I go there, like Good I sit in the same spot. Yeah, it's, it's great. But like, but I also like if you think about it, if I went to a different coffee shop every day, I would just I, so like. But this is also a military strategy as well. This is like I mean, there's so many different levels to here. But so like, you want to concentrate your forces, right? It's just more effective. So like, I just try and concentrate the money and time I spend on less people to get better results. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. This guy walks up to me, his name's Francisco. He comes up to me the other day and, and like, he like, it was showing me like, cause they, I guess they like swapped a square. He comes up and he's showing me all the different square app. And he's telling me about how like, he's going to launch all these marketing campaigns. And he was asking for my advice on some stuff and he might have this great chat. Right. But it's like, it probably doesn't do that to all his customers. Right. Mm-hmm. But clearly, this guy now and I, him and I, have a relationship. I remember reading this uh, this long post that somebody made about the economic advantages of being a nice person. So it's huh. just like this, you know. John's telling me this example of him being a very nice person, and the economic. Just I'm just talking economic, not emotional, not relationship wise. Just economic gets free refills. Uh, I bet you, John, if you went to that cafe and you forgot your wallet, he will say, don't worry about it. 
Not only that, there's actually this other place that I, so this actually, so there's this other place that I go to and I sometimes have breakfast there, but not always. It kind of depends on my mood. Like if I'm going to go have a reading morning, then I go to like, it's called the Marmalade Cat Cafe. And that's like where I do a lot of my reading. Can you take us to these places when we go there? No, because they're not in Kelowna. We're not, you guys aren't going to be in Kelowna. Oh, my bad. But either way, um, either way, so then if I, but if then if I'm going to work to meet Jocelyn, and I, and, I, and I do feel like a coffee in the morning because I typically drink like a couple cups of tea before I go to work. And then if I feel like I want an extra kind of buzz for the day, like if I, because I love doing estimates, like a little bit kind of caffeine, like some caffeine mm-hmm. in my blood. So I'll stop by this one place and like, but like I'm the only guy because they open up at seven and like I'll drive by at seven. So like I'm the, so they know me, not even because I go there all the time, but just because like I'm the only guy that ever, ever shows up at seven. Like they're all, it's like a catering company. So they're like prepping mm-hmm. stuff, but they also serve coffee and like have like mm-hmm. a fun kind of little restaurant mm-hmm. and they all know me. And so like half the time when I show up, no joke, they just give me free coffee. Like, like I'll be like, yeah, I'm getting coffee. So if it's the same chick, she just like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine. Like, like, no, like it's like, it's one cup. And like, so I get free coffee half the day on half the time going to work. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hates to be nice. That's also great investment. The economics of being nice. Could you send me that and article? She, call, she, call, she calls me sure. honey. She's like, oh, hey, honey, how you doing? I'm like, oh, Wait, how old is honey. she? <laughs> She's like, uh, John's like, and if I get honey breakfast, and I got a free coffee. If, if I get breakfast, she starts calling me darling. Like, oh, she'll, like, good Lord. Me. She's like, she's how like, old is she's she? Like, but she also like, knows how I like it to too. Come over. Jeez. Like when I come in, like the, when I come in, um, She's like, are you having breakfast or coffee? And if it's coffee, she just pours it. Half the time she doesn't charge me. She just gives it to me. I'm not sure like what, I haven't figured out what determines whether she gives it to me for free or not. Or maybe she's just like, has like a, like a mental checklist. I'm not sure. Um, if it's like the clothes, like I'm, I, I almost want to like figure out if it's like the clothing I wear right here or something small like that. Right. But if I get breakfast, she, um, I don't even have to ask for it. I just say like, yeah, I'm going to get breakfast. And I just go sit down, you know, and then she brings the machine. I tap it, but yeah, she it's actually, knows what yeah. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty fun community to be in uh, or a fun situation to be in. I guess that there's kind of this thing about, uh, one of the weird things about being human is that those things are just so invaluable, uh, not invaluable, just priceless, right? Like that you can't put a, there's no dollar figure on those types of relationships that you have. They're not actual, you know, like real personal relationships necessarily. It's just like the idea that you're known and you belong. And there's just like this kind of yeah it, it's kind of strange it's like the, the the restaurant owner that shakes your hand before they sit you down because you know they know you so much but even the sushi so, restaurant right peter yeah. the owner of the peter restaurant like him i talk and you know like i, I go in there and i try and support him because you know i know he's having a rough time right now trying to find staff but like he knows me right like so like him every time i walk in he's like how, how's business i'm like oh you know doing pretty good right now i'm like how's your business we've got you know chit chat a little bit right but even the bookstore so i get like there's this one bookstore in town that i, that I you know i it was just insane. Like every time I would walk in, every staff member knew me. They'd walk over. They had this certain bookshelf where they would store all the books that I'd ordered, and they'd walk over and they'd get all the books ready for me, and they prep it all and get all the bags. And they know that I like three bookmarks every time I go, and they get it all prepped for me. And I was already all prepaid for, and they say, "Here you go, Mr. Morgan." I'm like, "Thank you so much," and I leave. Right, but it was all ready for me every time I showed up. And um, they also so um, uh, the way that that store works is there's a five percent loyalty program. So like if you buy um, books, like 5% of your purchase goes towards like the, the, the points plan. And then you can like redeem those points. And so I, I was like, Hey, like, you know, how many points do I have? Cause I must have like a lot. And they said, Oh, we don't actually give you points. We just give you 10% off. And I was like, Oh, sweet. Thank you. But like, I didn't even know this entire time. I just bought so many books that they, rather than giving me the standard 5%, they were just giving me 10% off this entire time. 
of cash, not like points, right? It was just yeah, right. They didn't give me cash. Sale. They just they just yeah. straight up give me ten percent off. Yeah, it was just more valuable than points, I think. Yeah, mosaic mosaic books downtown. Yeah. So I don't know, like like so like, I guess I don't know where I got off onto that tangent, but like that's just a philosophy of mine that I try and use the same people and establish relationships because it's it's like an older school way of doing things, but it seems like it's beneficial. For sure. Yeah, I think that's great. I think. Uh... Is there anything else you guys want to do to share in here in the, in the episode before we wrap up? Um, I, I mean, I, I want to share this one story, but I don't know where it fits in our, in our conversation. I guess um, you mentioned John, your, your grandparents and specifically your gran- grandfather who he does work, not necessarily to get paid, but he does work just because he loves it and he likes doing his job. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I discovered um, somebody similar. And it seems to me the people who do things just out of love for the passion versus for the money, they produce higher quality results. And I came across this 90-year-old lawyer whose name is Jerry Spence. And he, since 1969, he has never lost a civil case. And in his entire career, he has never lost a criminal defense case. What? Never. And so I was interested in this guy and and how he sort of, you know, did his craft. And I found this two and a half minute video of his closing, his closing statement. So I don't know if you know this, but in the U.S., if you're a defense attorney, Um, You can make your closing arguments and within your closing arguments at the very end, you can kind of say like whatever you want. Right. So Jerry would always end with the same story. So you remember how I started the episode with storytelling. This is a story that I heard him say that as I truly believe is one of the reasons why he has never in his entire career lost a criminal defense case. So it, he makes the closing arguments and then and then he's like walking back to his desk. And uh, before he wraps up, he's like, oh, actually, uh, uh, members of the jury, I want to leave you with a story. And then the other side goes, objection. And then the judge, <laughs> judge every time, and this is always planned, the judge is like, no, uh, you know, sit down. I want to I hear the story. Oh, my God. And so Jerry comes back and he looks at the jury and then he says, I want to tell you a story. So there's this young boy and one day he's, he's going around and he catches a bird and he takes the bird and put it, puts it in the, in the palm of his hand and he covers it with his other palm. And then he goes to the wise old man and there's a wise old man, this little boy with a, with a bird in his hand, goes to the wise old man and he's trying to trick the wise old man. And he goes up to the man and he says, wise old man, what do I have in my hand? And the wise old man says, young boy, you have a bird in your hands. And the boy says, wise old man, is the, is the bird dead or is the bird alive? But before you answer that, um, I'll give you two options. And you can say uh, either option A or option B. Option A, if you say that the bird is dead, 
I will let the bird go or I'm going to crush it in my hands and I'm going to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze until its life goes out. And option B, if you say that the bird is alive, I will let the bird go or I will crush it in my hands and crush it and crush it and crush it. And so he wants to basically corner this old wise man and the old. And so the kid says, old wise man, which option would you like to go with? Is the, is the bird dead or is it alive? And the wise old man looks at the boy and he says, young man, the bird is in your hands. And ladies and gentlemen, member of the jury, this case is in your hands and it's time for you to make your decision. And he just lets it go. And you know, they go in, 30 minutes later, they come out innocent. And uh, <laughs> insane. It's kind of, I kind of got lost for a little bit in the in the alternatives there. Like option A was that so he basically somebody just asked the old wise man, "Is is the bird dead or is it alive?" And if if the bird if the old man says it's dead, if you're wrong, it, you kill it. If if he says it's dead, then he'll he'll just like let it's it go, confirm that it's dead, or oh. he's gonna crush it. Okay, okay. Right? And if he says that it's all that uh, yeah. it's, it's dead, it's alive. He's either lets it go or crushes it. So in either yeah. way, he basically says, "I you know no matter what you say, I'm just." gonna do what you don't want me to do so you're yeah, yeah I, I don't i'll be honest i don't know if i got that one i mean <laughs> yeah I, like i i don't understand so like, so option a option a is that if, <laughs> option if, a and b uh, are the exact same yeah that's what i'm saying so yeah. what how does that play into the situation at hand in the court in the courtroom because you have all these like sort of scenarios where it's up to them to decide if the person can be let go or can be put in prison and right. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're going to go with the defense or the opposition. Right. At the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to decide. The bird is in their hands. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the wise old. It doesn't man matter says. if it's. It doesn't matter if the person is innocent or guilty. They decide the fate. Ex exactly. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Okay. And so the jury are left with this like kind of. Okay. Like, okay. Why the story is so powerful? So they're just saying. Like if I was a jury member, I'd be like, sorry, can you explain that? Like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I may have butchered it a bit, but he, he no, but I think, perfectly. yeah, I think it just, the, the bird, it doesn't matter if it was dead or alive because the bird could have even died of somehow natural causes in the transportation of the kid's hands to the old man. And the kid doesn't even know anymore. Does, know? It does, yeah. So that's why the it's old the wise man that, like, says the bird yeah. is in your hands. Like yeah. I, I, it doesn't matter. I don't I know say. because you are in complete control. Mm -hmm. So the jury, so, yeah. they, they go in and it's it, the, the result of the trial is in their hands, no matter what they, anybody else yeah. says. Okay. I'm going to tell a, a story that's like, uh. that <laughs> now that we're just telling short stories, Amber, this is, this is unrelated to everything you just said, but other than <laughs> no. just, it's a short story. No problem. I love it. I love it. So there's, there's um uh <laughs> okay so there's this barber okay and and uh and there's this kid that comes in uh, with his mother all the time and at least once a month to get her get his haircut and uh, after the first haircut the barber <laughs> sorry someone has just sent a 
thing in there in the chat. But anyway, so the, the barber asked the, the young, or after the, the, the boy gets his first haircut, the barber says, hey, you know what? You were a really good kid. Thanks for so much for like sitting still because a lot of kids move a lot. So here, I'm going to give you a, I'm, I'm going to give you a quarter. And the kid says, oh, thank you so much for the loony. I just appreciate this. And the, the, the barber says, no, no, it, it's, it's a quarter. He's like, no, no, it's a loony. Look at it. And so then the barber's like, oh, that's kind of strange, right? So then the next time the kid comes back, the barber does the same thing. He said, hey, like, I'm going to give you another quarter. Okay. And the, the kid again is like, oh, yeah, thank you so much for the loony. So the barber kind of gets a chuckle out of this because he's like, oh, this kid's so dumb. Like, he must be like kind of <laughs> handicapped. He just doesn't know what the difference between a quarter and a loony, right? So, so the, uh, you know, this is like, you know, the 20th time that this kid's come in and uh, he, he goes up to his buddies and says, look, watch this uh, over here. Like uh, this kid, like he's, this kid's so dumb. He doesn't know the difference between a quarter and a loony. Like you can clearly see there's a quarter. So he walks over, gives the kid a, a, the quarter and the kid says, oh, wow, thanks for the loony uh, barber and walks away. And, and, and the barber and his friends all laugh. Wow, what a dumb kid, right? So this kid finally gets old enough and uh, he's like, Hey, so like Barbara, I'm going off to, I'm going off to university now. And the barber's kind of surprised. Like, oh, I didn't think this guy was going to make it to university. He's like, yeah. Hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, um, thank you for all the quarters that you gave me over the years. And the barber says, what? You thought that, I thought you thought they were loonies this entire time. He's like, no, but he's like, I knew that every single time I told you it was a quarter, you'd keep giving me, or every time I told you it was a loony, you'd keep giving me quarters mm -hmm. laughing at how dumb I was. Thank you. And then he walked away. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, how, what, what did that story mean for you? I just thought it was a funny story. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I see that um, for this one, it's the, the, the power of playing dumb. Like, I think that's like well, usually a, a totally story. it's, yeah, it's one of the 48 laws of power. Always seem dumber than your mark. That's that's what I say. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. a person who who seems always dumber than the other person always has total control because he has all the information mm -hmm. that he doesn't reveal. And so Yeah, kinda, maybe there's some wisdom. Like the barber thought he was better than the kid because like yeah. he's like knew the difference between a quarter and a loony, but the kid did as well, but he was just exactly. the barber. Yeah. And if you're wondering what was the point of the story I told with the the jury and the lawyer, just basically saying that the power of storytelling. Uh, Jerry Spence, you can look him up on Wikipedia, incredible lawyer. The power of storytelling can really um, have a huge effect in anything you do. And always whenever I did my estimates, I would sprinkle in stories. Oh, that dude, I would have the stories, pre, pre storytelling and marketing has to be one of the most effective ways to, to communicate. It, exactly. Yeah. And uh, there's also the, in that stories, the power of symbolism. So when you, when, you know, when you have the idea of a bird getting crushed, like no matter how much of a sociopath you are, that's kind of something you don't want to see, like a small innocent bird being crushed. And so you're basically implanting that idea. So when they they have to, if they call a guilty verdict, verdict, they're basically saying, we are all okay with crushing a baby bird, right? It's such an overwhelming advantage. So um, the power of story, storytelling, ladies and gentlemen, of Giovanni yeah. Drogo, of the birds, the barbers. Well, do you remember the story of the of the uh, Romanian that ripped off my grandmother? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, yeah, the Romanian a, gypsy, dude. Yeah, that's don't, another. Don't, that's we're another not gonna story. That story. Go listen to it on that episode where we go in depth and, and debunk. That's it. just another. Yeah, another story that had like some lessons in it. To anybody exactly. that wants to go listen to that, it's uh, episode twenty. The episode gypsy that cost us sixty thousand dollars. It's a great story. It's a great <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. And uh, if you want an example of this in the real world, you, you will notice that 
businesses use this a lot in storytelling. And a really recent example of this, uh, about a year and a half ago, Mercedes had this amazing ad where they took one of their, there's a mechanic that works in a small town in the US, can't remember where, and he's blind. He's completely blind, legally blind, like zero sight. And he works on cars and is very proficient at it despite being blind. And he works exclusively on Mercedes vehicles, apparently, or, or, or specializes in them or something. And Mercedes found out about this guy and essentially paid to bring him out to the desert in Nevada and just get in the fastest Mercedes that they make and just drive. And they filmed the whole thing and they told his whole story in like a minute and 20 second commercial or two minute commercial or something. And they released it during the Super Bowl or some other, you know, initiative, like a huge, you know, a event. huge event, like one of the commercials that costs like millions of dollars to make and they play it for a minute, you know, like, mm -hmm. but it's, uh, it's crazy how like, you know, the story, the, the, the details that they went into to find this story and to find this person, like Mercedes was on the hunt for people that they could go market their story. Imagine the guy's not even blind. Like he's just an actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it goes back into the barber like Austin, exam. I, he's like, I, oh actually, yeah, thanks. I remember that. That was a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. And it had yeah, like yeah. soft piano music and you, yeah. and, it, and it, it incited like tears of happiness that here's this blind man for the first time in his life. Thanks to course, Mercedes, throughout can now the whole drive. time, he's like, "Oh, I feel." It's like the blind guy drives Mercedes for the feel, and that was their selling point, right? Yeah, yeah. It was. A, it, it was. Great. It just feels yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. And the story behind it, like you know, even as a marketer, you're looking at that, going, "God damn it!" Like even I'm trying to drive a Mercedes now, you know? Like it's it's kind of cool. So anyway. yeah, that, that's why I remember um, to to end with this note here on why stories are so powerful. Bill Gates was asked. What are your favorite stories and what are your favorite books that you read? And, and Bill said, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, most people think that I am interested in these finance books and I read, you know, all, all this stuff. But in reality, I'm a big fan of fiction. And they'd be like, why, why fiction? That seems yeah. so counterproductive for yeah. somebody like you. It's like, well, as human beings, it's proven that we learn through story. So a great fiction novel I can learn more from than a 500 page economic analysis of the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, I think. Very true. Well, then, can we do whack versus wisdom or we're not doing that? Oh, okay. well, you have a hard cut in two minutes. Yeah. Well, can we just quickly, well, okay. I mean, you know, the hard cuts are really seven, but oh, here, we just, yeah. here we here go. Here we go. Of course, man, of course we can do whack versus okay, wise. Can, I, can I get this one, Emmer? Of course. Sure. Okay, hold on. Okay, you, uh, do you have your, uh, um, do you have your wisdom on the, uh, on the docket there, John? I'm just tracking it down one second. Okay. Just tracking it down, boys. But yeah, Jerry Spence, look him up. Undefeated. 60 years in court. 60 years, never lost the defense battle. And you, and you read these cases that he defended. It's like this mom who like drowned 14 kids or something. And he just comes off. Oh as innocent. My God. Something insane, like just some crazy stuff. Um, he has his own law firm. He's written like 12 novels. Very impressive. Very impressive person. And okay. You can, you can probably find the clip. 
online as well of what I talked about. Okay, this, so John, John has the whys. What's up? Well, no, I'm going to read the rise right now. I was just going to say that my wise mm-hmm. is I actually read this like a couple of years back. And this is, this is actually a good way of summing up my philosophy on why you should just save and invest your money. Okay, perfect. Rather so, than buying that. So Austin, preferably. Oh, you know, it's, so, it's so cool. No, I already loaded up the song in, in, in direct opposition to that. Perfect, in, perfect, in perfect. This episode. Okay. Perfect. Okay, cool. Ladies and gentlemen, this is whack versus wise. Austin. Okay. Here we go, baby. Share audio, share screen. You're going to know this hammer. Maybe, maybe. You see it? I do, I do. I so don't this is it. this is ball, Ballin' by DJ Mustard and Roddy Rich. So, Wait, uh, what? DJ Maserati Rich? DJ Mustard. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Mustard and Roddy Rich. DJ Mustard, okay. Yeah. Performing his... Oh. What is this? Damn it. What okay, is this? Hold on. Oh, this guy's terrible. You've never okay, done Whack versus Wise and it shows. Give me a sec here. This is what happens when you get knockoff Whack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this song. If I got up on a lean, I'm a sip sip. I run the wrestle with my queen, like learning to nip. But I got rich on all these niggas, I didn't forget back. I had to go through the struggle, I didn't forget that. I hopped inside of the Maybach and now I can sit back. These bitches know me now, cause I got them big racks. Cause I'm getting money now, I know you heard that. Young nigga on the corner, bitch, I had to serve crack. Uncle fronting me some peas, had to get them birds back. We came up on dirty money, I gave it a bird back. Cut off the brain and I gave my bitch a new goof. Either you running y'all gang or your suit whoop. Got a new all in bitch and man that pussy voodoo. And I'm that nigga now, who knew? I Yo, that's, that line reminded me of, uh, <laughs> remember that time we got laughing so hard, John? I was like, I've been selling cracks since like the fifth grade. <laughs> since like the fifth grade. You don't even know when you started selling crack and it was that e- that early? <laughs> Shout out Bobby yeah. Shmurda. <laughs> yeah. Free Bobby. <laughs> no, don't free him. Okay. He's, a, he's a threat to society. But yeah. Okay, so John, okay. just this, uh, I would actually say, uh, yeah. Okay, all this designer on my body got me drip, drip, <laughs> A, straight up out the Yajex. I'm a big crip. If I got a pint of lean, I'm a sip, sip. I run the racks up on my queen like London and Nip, but I got rich on all these N-words. I didn't forget, bet. I had to go through the struggle. I didn't forget that. I hoped inside of the Maybach, or I hopped inside the Maybach, and now I can sit back. These bitches know me now because I got them, them big racks because I'm getting money now. I know you heard that. Young N-word on the corner. Bitch, I had to serve crack. Uncle fronted me some peas. Had to get them birds back. We came up on dirty money. I gave it a bird bath. Cut off the brain, and I give my bitch a new coop. Sorry, what's peas? Uh, I think Percocets. Oh, okay. And Bird's back. I think like uh, I think Bird is like uh, a thousand bucks. So he like his un- his uncle loaned him some Percocets to sell, and then he paid him back. Is my best guess on that line. I may be wrong though, but that's my best okay. Guess. 
So this this wisdom is from Aesop's Fables. Yes. Yes. And this is this is the peacock and the crane. Yes. John, slam dunk, baby. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. A peacock taunted a crane with the dullness of her plumage. Look at my brilliant colors, said she, and see how much finer they are than your poor feathers. I am not denying, replied the crane, that yours are far grayer than mine. But when it comes to flying, I can soar into the clouds, whereas you are confined to the earth like any Dunhill cock. Boom! Awesome. Did that land? It did land. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the weekly call. <laughs> so, I'm the crane in my in in my uh, John Soren minivan. <laughs> He's Soren. <laughs> okay, guys. See you next week. Have a good one. Good night, everybody, or good morning, whenever you're listening. Peace. <laughs> Hey listeners, thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material and just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.